0: Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be.
1: Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to be able to be back with you again this week. As you know, every week, I love being able to go on this journey with you. Because you and I are raising daughters, we're working through it every day, and it's important for us to be able to not only talk with one another, but really learn from each other and learn from others in the journey that we're on. Because we don't have to do this alone. It is so important for us to be able to take that time to talk to not only the people around you, but talk to others and to learn from others. And that's what we try to do every week. This week, we've got another great guest with us. Tony Brent is with us, and Tony is a comedian. He's a musician. We're going to talk about all of that in the show today, but he's also a father of three. and We're going to be talking about his journey raising two daughters that have grown and flown and have their own lives right now. So we're going to be talking about that too. Tony, thanks so much for being here today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
1: Well, I'm excited to have you here today too. It is always my pleasure to be able to jump in and to be able to learn from other dads and because you're, both your and my journeys are different. But I guess first and foremost, one of the things I love to do is turn the clock back in time. And I know you have two adult daughters, one's in her 30s, one's in her upper 20s. So let's go all the way back. I want to go all the way back to that first moment when you first found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head?
0: Wow. Uh, We were living in, my wife and I were living in Nashville, Tennessee at the time. We're both originally from West Tennessee and we'd graduated college and got married and moved up there and we're just trying to figure things out. And my wife was working as a social worker. I was working at what was called, well, it's no longer there, but it was Opryland Theme Park, Opryland USA. It was a little theme park there in Nashville that existed for many years, sort of country music based. And I was a stage manager there of some live shows and and we found out we were going to have a baby. So it was very exciting, scary too, young. We One thing we did that we did, we were married five years before we had our first child. We just decided to wait, which uh, it was a good thing for us, you know. We were trying to figure things out. So we didn't jump right in and we so we'd been married for a while before we had her. So but yeah, it was very exciting times.
1: It is exciting times. And I like you, my wife and I waited about about six and a half years before we had our first child. And you know, I think that for us that was a good thing. It gave us time to get to know each other, got it gave us time to get to a different point in where we were. And getting us ready for that, as much as you can be ready. But there is still fear. I know when I first held my daughter, I was really scared. And in talking to other dads, I know there's some fear that goes with raising daughters. What was your biggest fear in raising daughters? in society?
0: Times have changed a lot since then, you know, 30 p- plus years. Things have changed. At that time, at least it was pre-social media and uh, th- 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 things were different. I guess I had the same concerns that every every dad has that, uh, you know, you, primarily I think you just want to protect that child from everything. And I can recall just being, you know, you just want to hold them close and, you know, keep them tight and keep them near you and just protect them from from the world. And we were at the time, you know, we, uh, my wife and I, we we didn't have any family nearby. Uh, The closest were my parents. They weren't terribly far away, but they were about a little less than a two hour drive, but they weren't, there was no one right there near us. So um, we sort of had to figure it all out on our own as far as the day to day babysitting and things like that. So, but yeah, it's tough and it's particularly, I guess, when you, our support system was just by phone. Of course, this was before cell phone days too. So it wasn't as readily available as it is today. But, but you know, we made it work. It all worked
1: out. Now, when you have more than one child, I've learned this myself and having two daughters myself, you have to take that time to be able to really get to know them because every child is different and they have their own personalities, their own needs, their own wants. And I know you had, you have two daughters, and I'm sure they're not exactly the same. So talk to me about what you had to do to be able to build those relationships with each of your daughters.
0: They both have different personalities, absolutely. And uh, we all we still joke about it to this day. Our oldest daughter has always been the leader. And <laughs> some years ago, I took VHS tapes and transferred them into DVDs, and then from that, transferred them home movies into digitally on Dropbox, where we could all access all our home movies and they'll go back and watch the movies of themselves as kids and you can see how our our oldest daughter was always the boss and her name's jessa and our middle daughter's olivia and olivia was always following jessa around and jessa was telling her what to do and they put on these little shows in the living room and and they still sort of do that to this day they still joke about it but the oldest daughter's still sort of the leader. Whenever she's in town, she's the leader. So, but yeah, two different personalities, three years apart. I was very fortunate in that having an unusual career, I was able to spend time with them a lot of times during the day that maybe some parents might not normally get to spend with their children. So I was very fortunate in that. Being an entertainer, I would work some nights, some days. So it was a combination of both, but it not having a nine to five job, I was able to spend a lot of time with them in those early years, which I really appreciate being able to have with them. And I think it, you know, made us bond maybe very quickly. Uh, and we still, we're all still very close, but my daughters both having, you know, three years is not a huge difference. And, uh, When they were young, before we moved to Florida, we were living in Tennessee and we just had a great time together. I spent a lot of time with them. We didn't have a lot of money back then, but we had, you know, we had time, which means so much. And in a lot of ways, it means a lot more than money when you've got the time to spend together and just get to know each other. But we have fond memories, and they have fond memories of those days as well.
1: Now, I know that both of your daughters are, I'm going to say, grown and flown. They've, they're have they outside of the house. They're living their own lives. And you had to do some things as they were getting older to be able to not only get them ready for that, but also get yourself ready for that. And I know that that's not always an easy thing. Can you talk to me about the journey that you had to go on to be able to, I guess, in a way, let go, but also how that letting go moved to adjust the relationship that you now have with your daughters to a different point to where it is now?
0: Well, we moved to Florida in the fall of 99. And at that time, they were six and nine. And I, we moved down here because I was offered a job performing at Disney. And prior to that, there was one year there where I was on the road touring, and it was very hard. I didn't get to see them as often as I wanted to for for this one particular year. So when I was offered a contract to perform at Disney, it was a way to be at home. And so we sold our home and moved to Florida. And I was performing at Disney, and we enrolled them in school. And um, it was a big culture shock for them to go from West Tennessee to Florida to a big city. Big The schools were much larger, different vibe, different atmosphere. So looking back on it, they say that was a little rough, but they fell right in and they grew up here in Central Florida and uh, they both went to the same schools. And, you know, they were just really, really good kids. My wife stopped working when we moved to Florida and she was able to be at home. So she was uh, able to be a stay-at-home mom. And that was tremendous for us. And at that time I was performing usually, I think I was working mostly days. And so I would be home at night as well. So we were both home with the kids and they played sports, you know, basketball, tennis, soccer, both the girls did. And I was there to be able to take them to practice and I was there to see the games and You know, I felt very fortunate that I could do that because, had we not made that move to Florida, that probably wouldn't have happened as often because I might have been on the road or might have been touring. Because there was a gap between the time that, I'll go back to the early days where I said I was at home with them a lot, and then there was the period of where I wasn't home because I was getting these. I toured for a year with uh, what was then called the Fox Family Channel, was eventually bought by Disney, and then became the ABC Family Channel, but I toured for them as, at a marketing show for a year. Where I was the host and MC of this touring show. So I wasn't there as home as much as I would have liked to have been. And my wife, when they were out of school, would come and meet us wherever we were in the country and sort of follow. We had a little caravan, uh, if you will, and she would follow us. And I got to spend the summer with the kids, but, um, but not as much as I'd like to. So this move to Florida was great in that I was home a lot more. And I was there to see them grow up, and which is unusual in the entertainment business, I can tell you. A lot of times, uh, I've been very fortunate in a lot of ways in that I've had these long-running situations where I've been in one place for a good amount of time, which I'm very thankful for. But I got to see them grow up. And high school, my uh, oldest daughter was heavily involved in theater. She wanted to be an actress for quite a while, and she did a lot of, a lot of plays, a lot of things like that. Our middle daughter was more scholastic and more interested in that aspect of learning and studying and and then when they graduated high school my our oldest daughter actually moved to New York for about 2 years and pursued acting and during that time our middle daughter Olivia stayed at home and went to UCF and got a, her bachelor's degree in sociology and then eventually got her master's degree also in sociology, so so they took different paths, and it was great to have them home as much as we did, or and watching them grow and develop, and and fortunately for us, being in our, in the situation we're in, uh, we're still very. I, I have no brothers or sisters. My wife has one brother, but. We're really a fairly small family, and so a a pretty close-knit family, so uh, very close-knit, I would say. So, But yeah, I mean, I I was able to experience all the, the things of them growing up and maturing and turning into the ladies they are today and extremely proud of them.
1: Now, you've made a couple of comments along the way as we've been talking about the journey that you went on professionally as a entertainer, as a magician, as a comedian, um, going on the road, lots of different things. And I know that when I t- have talked to other dads that have that type of lifestyle that are and being engaged in many different ways, that you have to do a lot of things to be able to stay engaged with your kids. Especially, like you said, when you're on the road at going to shows, you're doing performances, Um, So talk to me about your journey as a, not only a father, but your journey as an entertainer and how you balanced those two.
0: As an entertainer, you have weird, strange hours. And when I first started, I was performing full-time in a casino in uh, northern Mississippi. And at that time, um, the girls were, I would work a week of days, a week of days, and then a week of nights. So you had a sort of a flip-flop. Schedule. And so between my wife and I, we'd have to schedule this week. I'm working days. She would have to pick them up in, from daycare. And then the next week, I'm working nights. So I wouldn't be at home at night. She would have to do the homework with them. So it's a really a scheduling situation. And fortunately, my wife is very good at scheduling who's going to do this? Who's going to, you know, pick up the kids? Who's going to do the food and, and things like that? So not having a Nine to five makes it a nine to five type job makes it a little bit different. To me, and for them, that's all they've ever known. They've never known of me having a, a job where I would have to leave at eight in the morning or seven or, and then come home on a regular schedule. So they grew up that way. So in that respect, it's all they know, and, and they became very used to it, and we' were all very flexible. Because of that. It was never a rigid this or rigid that. And and for me as a dad, you just you look at that and you just make the time. You say, okay, I'm going to be gone Saturday night, but I'll all day Saturday I'll hang out with you or what or something of that nature. And you have to be very aware of putting them first more. Sometimes i think if you have a regular job you don't uh, having a flexible job as i did you get lost in it sometimes i think you can sort of get lost in what you're doing or if you're rehearsing or practicing or you can go off in your office and just forget about everything else except what you're working on as opposed to spending quality time with your kids. But I regret none of it. And, and I know that they they laugh about their upbringing and about how it was different than, I guess, a traditional upbringing in that they got to experience some things they got to go with. Me to some places that they probably would not have normally gotten to go to. You know, if I was doing like a state fair, which I did when I was traveling, you know, they would get to go hang out at a fair all week long, you know, for free. And they, they love that kind of thing.
1: So I know one of the things that you said to me prior to us starting today was that as a part of your entertaining lifestyle And employment, you had the opportunity to be be able to bring your daughter on the road with you. So talk to me about that. What was that like? And not only for you, but what was that like for her? And especially now that she's an adult and can reflect back.
0: Yeah, well, there was a period of time when I was doing a lot of, and this is the early days when I started doing it full-time, mid-90s. We had both the girls in daycare. And daycare is pretty expensive. And uh, my oldest daughter was getting ready to go to school. And we just thought, well, you know, why don't we take Olivia out? And she can just go with me because uh, the oldest, Jess, is going to start school. And so we still had Olivia in daycare. So we just took her out and we just did. We did it for one year and we took her out of daycare. And I was doing at that time a lot of daycare shows. I was going around. I had a little circuit where I would go and like, the, we'll say the first Tuesday of every month, I would go to these certain daycares and I would do like a 30 minute show. And, and some of those shows were in Tennessee. Some of them were in part of Arkansas, part of Mississippi. And uh, so she would just go with me and uh, we would ride to wherever the show is. And I would set up and she would sit in the audience and and then we'd go do another one. And we would do however many I had to do that day, and then we would just go home. And I would also did, you know, I did school shows. These are all very family or children-oriented shows anyway. So, you know, they certainly didn't mind me bringing her. And uh, we had a great time. And we got, it's just me and her, and we got to talk and we'd go eat, have lunch somewhere and then okay we're going to go do one more show and then we're going to go home or we might go pick her sister up at school or whatever and then we'd be home at night so she remembers it and we have very fond memories of it. she says she remembers sitting in the front and you know laughing and clapping and just being very happy to be there and and it was great you know it was a that was a great time for me and her and I wish that for every dad to have something like that and I know not every dad can bring their kid to work with them all the time. But I did. I had that opportunity, and it was great. And I would not would not trade it for the world.
1: Now, I know that as a part of the shows that you do, you also have a show that you do once a year about bullying. And so talk to me about that show, why it's important for you to do this every year, and why you are so passionate about this anti-bullying message?
0: Well, I was bullied as a kid. I was small. Um, I was always usually the smallest boy in the classroom. And uh, I was bullied in elementary school. And then strangely, well, I guess it's not really strange, but if you study much about it, but I became a bully in high school. And I had sort of forgotten those days, but then our son was bullied in elementary school. And it's sort of all those thoughts came flooding back to me about me being bullied. And I thought, oh, wow, yeah, I was bullied. And he was being bullied for just, you know, by other boys about the size of his feet. And, you know, they would take some of his notebooks and whatnot and hide them and just things like nothing physical, although I was physically hit a few times as a kid. So I came up with this idea of writing a semi-autobiographical show that incorporated my elementary school days and how I first saw a magic show and then transitioning it into how I was bullied in school. So I came up with this idea and uh, happened to have been interviewed for a magazine in Orlando called Orlando Family Magazine about 12, 13 years ago. In the magazine, they asked me, was I working on anything new? And I mentioned this bullying show and I said, yeah, I'm working on this idea of an anti-bullying show. And then the, this artistic director named Jeff Revels from Orlando Repertory Theater called me and said, hey, would you want to do that bullying show in our children's theater? And I said, well, I haven't even written it. There is no show yet. And he said, well, let's meet. Let's talk about it. So I went and we met and he goes, this is really very, very, an, a very important topic bullying, and we'd love for you to do it. So I did the show, the first time I ever did it was in this children's theater, the Orlando Repertory Theater. And I've done it every year since, uh, short of uh, COVID one year. So what they do is they, it's treated as a field trip. They bus kids in from local schools, and then they have homeschool groups that come. And then I do either one or two shows, and the show's about an hour long. And it's got comedy and magic but it has the underlying theme of bullying and it's been very well received you know bullying is so rampant and i go through different types of bullying in the show talk about verbal physical and social and then the social of course is the is a hot topic with social media and you know texting and and Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and, and all of that. And I mention it. It's all done in a fairly light way without getting too heavy-handed, but yet still get attempting to get the children to understand what bullying is, and if they themselves are bullying someone, because you find that kids don't really always know. For instance, I used to ask kids, I'd say, if someone wants to sit with you in the cafeteria at lunch, but you don't let them sit with you, is that bullying? And a lot of kids say, no, but in fact, it is. It's a form of bullying. You're ostracizing another child. But kids don't even know that necessarily. So things like that, I try to point out these ideas of what may be bullying to get them to have a better understanding of it. And also, if they are being bullied, show them that it's okay to tell someone. But again, it's all done in a, in a manner that at the end of the day, hopefully is entertaining with that message in there as well.
1: You know, the thing that I like about that is the fact that it's a tough topic, a challenging topic, but you are presenting it in a way that can be lighter and fun while still challenging them to think about things in different ways, which I think is so powerful.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. We were fortunate with our daughters that they did not experience it. Neither of them really experienced uh, any uh, bullying, but our son most definitely did, and that's what prompted me to do it in the first place. And I thought, with what I do, how can I use it in a way that makes sense? And knowing, making it semi-autobiographical was, I felt the way to do it because you know, I'm it's first person. I'm I'm telling you things that I experienced. I had a kid knock my tooth out in the classroom by slamming my head against the desk. So it's all firsthand, first person things I've experienced that I'm sharing. And it's not generic, oh, you shouldn't do this, or you shouldn't do that. In a, in a way of where I'm saying this happened to me, it seems to really work with the kids and engage them quicker than just me saying, well, you know, you can't, uh, you know, you can't call another child names or you you can't push this kid on the playground. Instead, I say, no, this kid took my snack money <laughs> the playground. And what did I do about it? Nothing. I should have, but I was afraid that they were going to bully me even more. And then I go into a reason why I thought that and what I really should have done. And it seems to really grab the kids. That grab, it gets their attention immediately. So uh, it really works. And I wish honestly that I could get that message out more. I, I do have a, a download version of it. That if anybody is listening and they're in the, uh, if they're in the teaching field, they can reach out to me and I will send it to you free, free of charge, no cost. And if you you welcome to show it to your. Your classrooms are your kids. I used to sell it on Amazon. It was a download there. And then I decided, you know, it's better to give it away. And if anyone wants it, and it's about an hour long. And it's, it's just a, a it's about, a, I think we filmed it about, this one's about four years ago, four or five years old. But yeah, it's just a version of the show shot in front of, a, in the Orlando Repertory Theater. And so, yeah, if it helps anybody, you know, I'm happy to give it to them.
1: Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our Fatherhood Five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. You ready? I'm ready. In one word, what is fatherhood?
0: I'll say responsibility.
1: Now, when was the time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter?
0: When they were both adults and I could talk, we could talk, we could have conversation as three adults together and just getting to know them as human beings and how great they are. And it it gave me a great sense of love and peace. And I feel like I I did pretty good.
1: Now, if I was to talk to your daughters, how would they describe you as a dad?
0: I think they would say that I'm a little crazy. (laughs) I would say unconventional. I think they would both agree I'm probably unconventional. In a good way, I would hope.
1: (laughs) I think we always want our daughters to say that. Now, Now, who inspires you to be a better dad?
0: Who inspires me to be a better dad? I would say my dad, because I I was very fortunate. I had a a great father.
1: Now, you've given a number of pieces of advice today for people to, to think about from your own experience. As we finish up today, what advice would you want to leave with every dad?
0: Be present, be mindful. And I think as I've gotten older, I've attempted to try to be more mindful of everything, of what you say, of what they may be going through. Whether it's academically or personally, or with their friends, we were very fortunate. And both daughters, we knew their friends, the kids they hung out with. We were able to get to know them, and in fact, their their best friends. They're still best friends with, and we're actually still friends with them. And. And some of their friends have their already have children and uh, married and have their own children. And we're all still friends with them and very close with their friends. So, as a, a dad, I'd say, as best you can, get to know who they hang out with and who their tribe is outside of the home if you can. And, and that's been a, you know, a great thing for us to be able to be friends with their friends and, and their friends' parents we are fortunate that we're friends with most of their friends' parents. So if you can do that, you know, by all means, I, I suggest it. It's, it's, a, it's a great way to have a relate. It adds, it layers the relationship with your daughters. If, if you are able to, you know, have a relationship with their friends and their friends' families and things like that, it gives you more to talk about. We'll get together at holidays with their friends' families to this day, you know, if, if everybody's in town, we'll all just sort of get together and it's it's a very good time. If you can do that, I recommend it.
1: I appreciate you sharing that. Now, if people want to find out more about you, about your shows or anything else, where's the best place for them to go?
0: Well, they can go to TonyBrent.com, T-O-N-Y-B-R-E-N-T.com. I have a long-running magic dinner show in Orlando called the Out of Control Comedy Magic Dinner Show. And it's been going for over 22 years now. And it's inside the upside down building called Wonderworks, which is an upside down attraction on International Drive here in Orlando. It's about 10 minutes from Universal Studios and probably about 20 minutes from Disney. And International Drives are very popular sh- street here in Orlando with a lot of restaurants, a lot of attractions, a lot of stuff, a lot of hotels and things right there. But uh, you can go to my website and there, there's links to all that. And and there's nothing on there about the anti-bullying show. The bully, the show's called Pipsqueak, the anti-bullying magic show. And if anybody wants, like I said before, a copy of it, just go to my website, find my email, Show at gmail.com and just email me and I'll send you a download for free.
1: Well, I appreciate you being on with me today, and I wish you all the best, Tony.
0: I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. It's been fun.
1: The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more. You will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and musclemen Get out and be the one to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be